Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, Montana's looking a lot like Ireland. Is that a good thing? Well, I think it is. And also Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, <clears throat> will be joining us <clears throat> Excuse me, please, as well. <clears throat> It is March the 20th, and on this day in 1965, President Lyndon Baines Johnson notified Alabama's Governor George Wallace that he will use federal authority to call up the Alabama National Guard in order to supervise a planned civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery. Intimidation and discrimination had earlier prevented Selma's black population, over half the city, from registering and voting. On Sunday, March the 7th, 1965, a group of 600 demonstrators marched on the capital city of Montgomery to protest this disenfranchisement <clears throat> and the earlier killing of a black man, Jimmy Lee Jackson, by a state trooper. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. <clears throat> In, a brutal scene, in brutal scenes that were later broadcast on television, state and local police attacked the marches with billy clubs and tear gas. TV viewers far and way wide, and included me, were outraged by the images and a protest march was organized just two days after Bloody Sunday by Martin Luther King Jr., head of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. King turned uh, with the marches around, however, rather than carry out the march without federal judicial approval after an Alabama federal judge ruled on March the 18th that a third uh, march could go ahead. President Lyndon Baines Johnson and his advisors worked quickly to find a way to ensure the safety of King and his demonstrators on the way to Selma to Montgomery. The most powerful obstacle in their way was Governor Wallace, an outspoken segregationist who is reluctant to spend any state funds on protecting the demonstrators. However, after promising Johnson in telephone calls recorded by the White House that he would call out the Alabama National Guard to maintain order, he went on television and demanded that Johnson send in federal troops instead. Furious, Johnson told Attorney General Nicholas Katzenbach, to write a press release stating that because Wallace refused to the 10,000 available guardsmen to preserve order in his state, <clears throat> Johnson was calling the guard up and giving them the necessary support. Several days later, 50,000 marchers followed King from uh, some 54 miles under the watchful eye of state and federal troops. After arriving safely in Montgomery on March the 25th, they watched King deliver his famous How Long, Not Long speech from the steps of the Capitol building. The clash between Johnson and Wallace and uh, Johnson's decisive action was an important turning point in the civil rights movement. Within five months, Congress had passed the Voting Rights Act, which Johnson proudly signed into law on August the 6th, 1965. <clears throat> Uh, our civil rights passed. Very interesting. And now it's uh, a lot of very positive developments happened at that time. By the way, today is the vernal equinox. It's kind of a fancy way of saying it's the first day of spring. So uh, happy spring. Happy vernal equinox. The Florida House passed a bill that will limit school board members to two consecutive four-year terms, beginning with November 2022 in its election then. The uh, legislature will move the current law from school board members from 12-year term, term limits to eight years. <clears throat> the bill carried uh, by Representative Alex Rizzo uh, will head the Senate uh, to the Senate next. The vote was 79 to 29. Blaise Ignolia uh, from uh, uh, Spring Hill, filed a similar bill in the Senate and then also includes county commissioner in term limits, too. The bill uh, aligns with the Florida what Florida wants, and the bill will do that and more, <clears throat> said uh, Rizzo. <clears throat> Governor Ron DeSantis previously said he believes school boards should have eight-year term limits. So this is a good thing. 
Uh, term limits, uh, this kind of makes, you know, we have eight-year term limits for the governor and for our state senators and state representatives. This is a good thing. <clears throat> the House, uh, Florida House, passed a school choice bill with some par- uh, bipartisan support on Friday. It'll expand school choice vouchers to all students in the state, among other school, school-related measures. The bill was approved by a, a vote of 83 to 27. A similar bill is being considered in the Senate. Expands eligibility for Florida school choice scholarships to all students who are residents of Florida and eligible to enroll in K-12 public education. Currently, Florida offers scholarship programs that allow parents of certain students to register and attend private schools that aim to better serve a student's particular needs and provide uh, options for disabilities. Democrat spokespeople said that this is bad because it's going to be bad for public schools. What if all the kids decide to go take advantage of the scholarships and leave public schools? Well, you know, that's what they call creative destruction. Maybe this will help some public schools who don't perform, many of them, uh, cause them to uh, get competitive. Uh, Yesterday, the Swiss government announced that uh, banking giant UBS will uh, buy its similar rival, Credit Suisse, it's a smaller rival, actually, for more than $3 billion. Last week, Credit Suisse shares dropped a record 24%, raising concerns it could default. The banking world has already on edge after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank closed their doors. Credit Suisse was uh, struggling with financial scandals for years. Now the uh, Swiss president reportedly says the deal will offer great breadth for the stability of the international finance markets. But some experts report uh, the deal is still in a fragile state and could fall apart. Uh, the markets were t- too happy with the news as Credit Suisse share dropped 63% this morning and uh, UBS's fell 14%. <clears throat> Neo Community Bank Corp. will be takeover Signature Bank. Its 40 uh, uh, former branches will now operate as Flagstar Bank. So uh, economists are now estimating that 186 U.S. banks may be prone to the same risks as Silicon Valley Bank. This number is likely higher as the pressures the regional banks are facing ramping up. The number comes from a recent economic study published on March the 13th. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told the U.S. senators on Thursday that not all insured deposits will be protected in future bank failures, only those banks that pose systemic risks. <laughs> this you know, pretty much says that regional banks are going to get hosed here. Uh, later in the week, Biden regime uh, called on Warren Buffett as the regional banking crisis worsened. The Biden regime is asking Buffett to possibly invest in the U.S. regional banking sector in some way. Sounds like a great opportunity for Buffett to get assets at a discount price. Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Buffett's, uh, has been in touch with senior officials in President Joe Biden's administration in the recent days as the regional banking crisis unfolds. There have been multiple conversations between Biden's team and Buffett in the past week, according to people familiar with the matter, who asked not to be identified. So uh, right now, Biden is uh, cutting uh, cutting right to the chase here. <clears throat> There's about 20 jets that flew into uh, Omaha this weekend to discuss the matter. Uh, U.S. regulators unveiled extraordinary measures to assuage customers last week and promising to fully pay out uninsured deposits in the failed banks. Shares in regional banks continue to fall this week on fears the pain would spread. And as I mentioned, over 20 private jets landed in Omaha on Saturday afternoon. The jets came from the headquarters of regional banks, ski resorts, and and Washington, D.C., what do you make of that? So when Janet Yellen and others say, hey, there's nothing to see here, go on about your business, there's obviously deep concerns about what's happening in the economy and with uh, regional banks. Former President Donald Trump claims he will be arrested on Tuesday over claims that he paid porn star Stormy Daniels $130,000 uh, to keep quiet about their alleged affair. It uh, comes more than six years after Trump's lawyers allegedly paid Daniels to keep quiet about the affair with New York prosecutors considering if he should face charges. Trump uh, claimed on True Social account that the Manhattan DA's office will arrest him on Tuesday over the allegations and people should consider protesting in the streets about this. Well, that makes me pretty uncomfortable with Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these other forces at work in our society. But uh, nevertheless, I think he's right 
People should be up in arms and furious about this. Former President Donald Trump faces serious legal threats in Mar-a-Lago investigation, but the New York case would be easily dismissed outside of a jurisdiction like New York, uh, where Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg can count on highly motivated, ju- motivated judges and jurors. <clears throat> Although it may be politically popular, the case is legally pathetic. Uh, and it really is. He's trying to shoehorn the same theory uh, of the case in the Justice Department uh, in, in a state claim that the Justice Department gave up on. So it's, uh, the likelihood that former President Donald Trump will be arrested in the coming days feels like something out of a third world nation, according to Trump and others in social media. It feels like an attempt by the Democrats to distract from the collapsing economy, the war, Biden family corruption and other issues. And I, I just referenced the timing and all this. Why now? Well, it's obviously because the world and the vice is closing in and around the Biden uh, corrupt family. Uh, Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, while speaking at the charges looming over the former president, uh, said Sunday that he would have told a student of his considering such claims to seek another profession as su- such actions equal prosecutorial abuse. There you go. So... Uh, uh, Dershowitz is not in, fam- in, in favor of these claims. Uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk on Saturday predicted that the former president will be reelected in a landslide victory if he's indicted next week by the Manhattan District Attorney. So now it turns out, though, that Manhattan District Attorney's Office, which, the, which has Trump in its sights, just may be stepping back from the brink, uh, back from the ledge. Business Insider reporter reported Saturday night that Trump's indictment is on hold until one or more witnesses testifies on Monday. That's about all that's come to light, and as relevant authorities are being quite closed-mouthed about this whole thing. Insider says that a source with knowledge of the investigation told them on Saturday night there's one more witness. That indictment is apparently not a certainty until the witness testifies. Who's the witness? Well, the insider source wouldn't say, and so uh, we're told that a separate source also spoke on condition of anonymity, said uh, the insider that the witness is not Alan Weisselberg, Trump's former CFO, who is serving a five-month sentence for admitting masterminding uh, a payroll tax dodge scheme at the Trump organization. Uh, I suspect it's Cohen. Cohen went to jail, and first of all, but also testified under oath that uh, Trump uh, had, did not pay uh, Stormy Daniels, one hundred thirty thousand dollars. So this is all getting very interesting, and now it looks like uh, the DA in Manhattan is saying, "Well, maybe I'll think this over. Maybe this is not such a good idea." We can only hope so. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel. So if you want to travel with confidence and make sure that you're going to be taken care of if something happens, go to the website, <clears throat> internationalhealthplans.com. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is uh, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you check it out. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So talking about things going on in the world, one of the most interesting things that's happening <clears throat> this week, I believe, is Z is going to Moscow to visit with Putin. What are your thoughts? I think, first of all, just he just landed a few of the, in the last hour, so he's actually there at this moment. Look, it's very problematic. Um, G, G, on one hand, uh, wants to help his ally, and they're clearly allies to a large extent, to uh, dictators. Um, on the other hand, G is a little bit concerned about hurting his, his economy and any sort of assistance he gives to... Um, to the to the Russians will result in some of his firms being blacklisted, which is of course not good for the Chinese economy. Mm. He can't have the Russians lose uh, because that's a bad sign for for him and it diminishes his power. Mm. On the other hand, um, so he's sort of stuck there, and uh, we're all sort of holding our breath to see uh, what they should do. I mean, it's like you know, history has gone back on itself. You know, we think back. To the times of you know the communist world, China and Russia, or Soviet Union, obviously, and now we're back to the same situation: these evil empires. Um, and uh, it's another version of the Cold War, just a little bit different, obviously, with some obviously some trade going on, a lot of trade with China, obviously, um, but in some overall sense, the great failure of our, our Chinese policy when when one looks at it, at least at this particular moment in history. I agree with that, Mark. And they're also considering uh, moving to trading in the yuan, I guess it is, as opposed to the U.S. dollar. That's a concern. Yeah, obviously, but Russia has no choice. It can't trade in dollars at this point. It's cut off from dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is, who who else will want to trade in the yuan? And there's a question. The Chinese government... Again, one of the problems with the Chinese government and why they're, it's difficult for people to want to trade in the one is that no one really trusts Chinese economic statistics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever you can say about the U.S. government and everything else, the statistics are real. Yeah. So if you look at the statistics, you know what the situation is, you know, what the balance sheets are, you know, all, all those sort of things are very clear, they're very real, there's no question about it, there's no hanky-panky going on with our statistics. However, uh, some of the statistics right now, as real as they may be, are not not encouraging. Well, that's a different story. But again, you know, you can you can factor in risk factors when you know the actual statistics. Right. When you don't know the statistics, you're sort of you know you're flying blind, and that's a much more difficult situation if you're going to trade in the currency and use that currency as a basis of trade. So, um, look. Um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has changed the world in many, many ways. Uh, we're back in a different world than we thought we would be in at this point in history. Um, and we need to live up to the hour, I think, more than anything else. 
So let's so, move. Let's move to uh, Ukraine and what's going on there. So the Ukrainians, the Russians are making some incremental gains in that area around Bakhmut, which they've been trying to capture for nine months. Um, they're losing a lot of a lot of troops. In the meantime, the Ukrainians are, are not engaging in any offensive. Waiting as right now, they're integrating all of the new armaments they've been getting from um, all the Western countries and training their troops on using them. So while the Russians at this point have basically thrown everything they have at the Ukrainians in that area, mm-hmm. the Ukrainians are almost building a, a whole new army, so to speak, built around Western arms. And the question is, how are they going to deploy it in the next uh, next few months in, in their offensive? And will the Russians be able to, to respond or not? And we'll have to see. Um, the Ukrainians are better soldiers without doubt or certainly more motivated than the Russians and of course that has a major impact and on this past week uh, Putin was indicted by the international court and interestingly not for all of the uh, big war crimes that he committed which in terms of you know killing civilians targeting civilians all those things which are clearly illegal under international law but by doing something else by literally stealing Ukrainian children and bringing them back to Russia to bring them up as Russians and, you know, there's no question of proof there because they basically um, go on television and say what a wonderful thing, you know, it is. So uh, they're admitting their guilt, so it's pretty easy to indict them of, of war crimes when it comes to that because that's totally illegal. So we'll have to see. Um, and, and those are, the world is not irrespective the same. of how that goes, those, uh, those charges will probably be brought to court somehow in some way uh, in, uh, in uh, Holland. Right. Well, at the Hague is where, where where those things take place. I mean, will Putin ever face trial? I mean, as long as he stays in power, he won't. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's part of the reason he's staying in power. Not only because of this, because he knows in Russia, by and large, historically, when you know, you either die of of a disease or you die at the end of it. You, you, you or excuse me, you you end your your period as uh, leader at the as a disease or at the barrel of a gun. So. Um, he wants to stay the great leader at the meantime. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, and then, of course, just a reminder to our listeners, we talked about this last week, that uh, uh, a lot of oligarchs have died uh, recently for uh, really suspicious causes. So uh, he's doing everything right, uh, in his power to keep power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we said last week, if you get in a building above the third floor, you gotta take a, you're taking a risk, you may find yourself on the ground because yeah. oligarchs keep on dropping out of big, tall buildings daily absolutely so. uh, mark we've got so much more to talk about including what's happening in israel you're uh to remind our listeners that you're in tel aviv right now and uh, there's certainly a lot to talk about and so many other things can you stick around absolutely Bob. all right we're going to have more here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. 
That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Optima Foundation. Uh, Education Freedom Gala, it's happening uh, evening with Greg Gutfield on Sunday, March the 26th, and uh, it's going to be at the Ritz-Carlton at Naples. It'll be a wonderful affair, and Greg Gutfield's a big supporter of school choice, and that's what this is all about at the Optima Foundation. Uh, it starts at 6 p.m., and uh, other guests are going to be Congressman Byron Donalds. He'll be, he'll be there as well. Uh, uh, so go to Optima, Optima.Foundation. Uh, to get tickets, you can uh, just go to the uh, tag or tab e- events. Uh, we continue the conversation with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Uh, my, pleasure, my pleasure, indeed. So you are in Israel right now, and the protests are not ending. They continue, and I think they're growing right now. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, clearly they are. Um, we're talking about this past Saturday night probably another four to 500,000 people in the streets. Uh, they continue. The, the government has made some minor concessions on one part of the bill right now, but some question of, you know, if it's too little, too late, I don't think it's going to stop the protest. It doesn't really change the basic situation. Um, you have a situation where many reservists who volunteer to remain reservists, primarily pilots and people in other sorts of elite units, have said they will stop doing reserve duty, uh, as of this week, um, because of the passage of, of these laws, and the laws are partly passed so far. They haven't been fully passed yet. Um, and you've had basically every single former head of the security services come out against the laws. So uh, we'll have to see. Um, the government still seems determined to pass them. Uh, just to remind listeners what it is, basically it weakens the judiciary so that basically uh, the the parliament can override any decision by the supreme court is the most is the central part of all of this yeah and the goal is not to allow into the independence of the, of the court israel while theoretically has three branches of government it really doesn't because of the nature of its parliamentary system the government controls the parliament almost 100% so, so it's really there's no independence because people do not get elected by region so people don't have their own basis so they're just part of their parties, and the parties that are part of the government are all aligned in what they believe. So that's where it stands. And amidst all this, there's been terror, and there's also the concern about uh, Iran at this point being close to having a nuclear bomb. So mm. um, lot, a lot of things at the same time. Absolutely. In America, you could envision a constitutional convention being called if, if this was going on. Is that a possibility in uh, Israel? Okay, so the protesters are demanding a constitution at this point. That's the interesting thing. In other words, the, the, the chant now is not so much uh, stop these judicial reforms, it is, you know, pass a constitution. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, you know, the reason that Israel doesn't have a constitution is when the country was founded in 1948, Amidst the War of Independence, David Ben-Gurion, the first Knesset was supposed to be basically a constitutional convention, but he was in the, the country was still in the midst of fighting the war, and he wasn't willing to deal with all the issues that you know bring a constitution you know brings about. You know, when you think about the American Constitution, uh, basically the brightest people in the country got together for uh, what was it, approximately three months to discuss the, the building of the writing of the Constitution of Philadelphia. I mean, you've listened. You read the uh, notes in the Constitutional Convention, and for three months they yeah. argued and discussed and got into all the questions and everything else. Ben Gurion, in 1948, in the middle of a war of independence that Israel barely won, wasn't able to stop and take the brightest people in the country and deal with the Constitution. Uh, but the country's paid for paid a price for that ever since. Yeah. So uh, this may be the time when we see see what happens. But it's uh, so interesting the politics in Israel. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the first shot. Uh, heard around the world happened in 1776, 
And, uh, of course, our republic didn't start until 1789, so there was a period of time not only for the convention but also for preparation uh, to begin. Not, 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 not to correct you, but the shot was in 1775. But... 1775, pardon me, yes. Yes, the, <laughs> the, the, the depend, independence didn't come until a year later. Right. The first shot along uh, in Massachusetts uh, didn't, you know, was then, so... Well, thank you for that, Mark. So uh, let's let's uh, move to uh, France right now. Uh, so France, you have this interesting situation. You have a a, a country w- whose retirement age is sixty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, to remind our listeners, the retirement age in the United States is sixty seven. In most of the EU, it's somewhere between sixty five and sixty seven. The French can ret- retire with full benefits at sixty two. Now. Um, obviously, that made uh, some sense back when life expectancy might be 65 or 66. But with life expectancy in France and in you know almost all the EU and the United States up into the 80s, and also uh, to, also uh, with the younger or a lot more a stronger uh, percentage of young people who are able to pay into the system to support those right. that are retired. Birth rates way way down. Um, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And so Macron <clears throat> wants to do a terrible terrible thing. He wants to raise it from 62 to 64, <laughs> not to 67, not to 70. I mean, in the United States, we're talking about raising it possibly to 70, but we're talking about raising it to 64, and the country's gone crazy. Yeah, uh, Demonstrations and demanding Macron resign and, and riots all over, raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. It's so interesting in a way. You know, it's like the culture... Is so very different in so many different ways. Yeah, and, and, and the, of course is, the country can't survive if they don't do something like that. Uh, it probably should raise it higher. But I think there's going to be a vote of confidence, isn't there, for Macron? Right. I mean, he could lose. He could possibly. I mean, um, yes. I mean, he could lose lose power. People are so very very angry over this. Um, I guess the French love their retirement. They love their leisure. I mean. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we're both beyond the French retirement age, and we're both working, right? That's so, exactly right, and enjoying it, by the way. Right, absolutely. So it's it's amazing. So uh, certainly, there are different values, a different culture in uh, different countries around the world. So with this banking crisis, uh, you know, it, there's uh, nothing to see here. Janet Yellen says we, we should, we've got uh, everything taken care of. And yet 20 private jets flew into Omaha, Nebraska, this visit with Warren Buffett on Saturday night. So what's going on? Look, we have a, you know, this is like a surprise crisis um, in a sense that no one was really expecting a banking crisis. The, the big banks have to pass these stress tests all the time, and they're totally in good in good shape. Um, obviously, when suddenly the interest rates that have been zero for so long, I mean, we're talking about effective zero interest rates for about 15 years, yeah. and suddenly they jump, you know, in a very short period to 6%, uh, it creates um, problems in the system. And that's what we're seeing here. We, two inherent problems right now is one, it's caused by this rise in interest rates. So a lot of banks are holding assets that were safe assets. You know, it's like, it's this very strange situation because it's not like these banks invested in, in you know, exotic mines or startups or who knows what and took, you know, risked the bank money on things that were not safe. They were investing in basically treasury bills and other, you know, very, very safe investments. Yeah. But it turns out that when interest rates rise so quickly, these safe investments go down in value tremendously. And um, so that's part of what's happening. The other part of what's happening is because the velocity of money is so fast. In other words, the fact that, I mean, we as individuals, you know, can sit on our, sit on our, our phone and just a couple of things on our iPhone or Android can move our money from one bank to the other, can move between our accounts, can do all the things that we used to have to go into the bank to do, yeah. et cetera. But we can do it instantly, right? So think of big corporations who have the same access. They can move millions and sometimes billions of dollars within within minutes, seconds, basically. Right. And so banks don't have the ability to react that that fast. Well, here's, um, and he, that's part of it. Everyone's afraid they won't be able to react that fast. I mean, it's not so much that they can't, but the thought is that at any moment there could be a run on any bank, and the run is so fast. I mean, if you, you know, think of the pictures we've seen in movies of runs on banks. People come to the bank, standing on line, trying yeah. to get their money out. Now it's a bunch of corporate treasurers on their keyboards or on their iPhones, and, you know, in two seconds, 
moving money money out, and suddenly there's not enough money left in the bank. Right. So, so. here's the thing that I, I I think about though. Uh, you know, this is a very tough economy, and you know, if you didn't invest in treasuries, because you have to have reserves if you're if you're a banker. Then where do you put? Where would they put the money? I mean, it's, it's right. That that therein lies the problem, right? And those they they put some they put money in a safe place, and it's not like, it's not like forget the fact that whether America's going to default. Let's leave all those things aside. Yeah. It's not that the Treasury suddenly became a bad investment. It's just that they return such a low interest rate because they when you buy a Treasury, you often buy them for five or ten year Treasuries, and suddenly a five or ten year Treasury with a one percent interest rate is worth you know ten percent less than an than a current treasury. Yeah, so, so, so the question is, is, is the Fed going to stop the raise of, increase in interest rates and, and change the policy? That could save the banks, but it could create tremendous inflation. Right, so therein lies the problem. We're in this, we're in this uh, place of, of no, no known. Also, I, I actually believe that, you know, some, I, I, you know, my banker friends tell me it's the only thing they can do is raise interest rates against inflation. I'm not... I'm not totally convinced that the only only play is is raising interest rates. In fact, um, uh, my bet my bet is by the summer, uh, the Fed will capitulate and uh, start to lower rates. Maybe I don't know. Again, it depends on the inflation has remained stubbornly high. Yeah. Uh, so therein lies part of the problem. And 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 what what do you do? And you know, part of the problem, of course, is we we're used to this. Over, this really low interest, excuse me, interest rates, interest rate, but also so low inflation. Yeah. So suddenly, five percent inflation seems outrageous. Yeah. But you know, those of us who remember the seventies, five percent, you know, that sounds great to me. Yeah. Uh, In the seventies, it certainly would have. Hey, before I let you go, uh, can can you make a comment? The the election in Holland really intrigued me. Looks like the uh, farmers are getting their way. Yeah, the farmers have probably a farmer, a new a new party. It was just started, uh, I think, two years ago or so, a uh, farmers' party who ran against the government's um, plans to limit the nitrogen uh, nitrogen and other um, pollutants coming out of out of the farming sector, and they're very much against it. And they won control of part of the government, or part of the parliament, uh, because the farmers came out 100% against this this action. You know, it's really interesting when you when you look at it. You know, the, in, the, in the U.S., the divide primarily politically is urban-rural. I mean, it's not it's not all, but it's uh, to a very large extent. The big urban centers are Democratic. The um, the rural areas are Republican, and the exurbs are somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, uh, here again, you're in the same situation. I mean, these are not Republican Democrats, but you know, the 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 people living in the urban centers are very concerned about the environment and those issues and the people living on the farms are very concerned about making a living and not, you know, environmental regulations not hurting their uh, their income. And, and um, they're also in, in concerned about their next meal. <laughs> so the right, well, concerned about their income, obviously. I don't know about the next meal. The, the it, Dutch have a pretty strong social welfare system. Well, so. it, but I, I guess my point is that if, you're, you, if you put the farmers out of business, that's going to create turmoil in the uh, in the economy. Obviously, there's no, there's no question. So, so again, you know, one of the problems that that anyone has is the law of unintended consequences. Yeah. And so sometimes you, whatever policy you pick, and uh, you pick a policy, you decide it's very good for X, Y, and Z reasons, but then you don't take into account something else that's going to going to be affected by that policy. And with and, that, and Mark, go, go, I was going to say, I was going to say that goes across the board with almost any policy in any government. It's not. Unique to any one country. Absolutely. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, Mark, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. Again, HistoryCentral.com is the website. I hope you'll uh, check it out. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of us is unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website DignityMemorial.com. That's www.DignityMemorial.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Our work focuses on young people of high school and college age, and we uh, inspire and educate them in ideas of individual liberty, free markets, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that through our website, which is fee.org, and also through in-person events all over the country and sometimes abroad. Yeah, I've noticed that you haven't, obviously because of COVID, haven't had one of the international events or the national events uh, recently. Is, do you have anything coming up? Uh, well, there are lots of events, uh, at least a couple every week, but they're focused on particular schools. We I have see. not had uh, the big conference type thing for a couple of years. Gotcha. So, Larry, you wrote a really interesting piece. It's Let's Make Montana Look Like Ireland. What an interesting concept. Maybe you can just uh, tell us about, uh, it's so interesting, uh, and that freedom is the leverage here. Yeah. Yeah, many Americans uh, probably don't know that Montana is the most Irish state west of Pennsylvania. About 14% of the state's population uh, claim Irish ancestry, according to U.S. Census data. And that's uh, largely the result of uh, the copper entrepreneur Marcus Daly, uh, who came from Ireland and uh, 
left quite a mark on the state. Uh, mm-hmm. He developed uh, many copper mines around Butte and Anaconda and Missoula. And um, uh, when he brought a lot of Irishmen to Montana to work the mines, those immigrants in turn enticed uh, their friends and relatives to come too. And in fact, the longtime president uh, and prime minister of Ireland, Eamon de Valera, actually raised a lot of money in Montana <laughs> uh, way back in the 1920s. Hmm, that's so interesting. Well, yeah, and probably people are not aware, too, of how, how successful Ireland is in compared to other countries. That's right. It is quite a remarkable story. Uh, the Heritage Foundation uh, produces an economic uh, freedom index every year, and Ireland has been rising on it for some time. It's now uh, the third freest economy in the world hmm. uh, behind Singapore and Switzerland. Now, places like Singapore may not have the freest political systems, but economically, uh, Singapore, Switzerland, and Ireland, in that order, uh, have the freest economies. The United States uh, used to be in the top ten. It's now fallen to 25. Yeah, And uh, so Ireland has... Uh, really progressed. They have uh, an astonishingly low uh, rate of uh, corporate income tax of about 12%. And believe it or not, in 2022, the Irish economy, while the rest of Europe uh, was pretty uh, slow, the Irish economy grew at the astonishing rate of 12.2%. And that's five times faster than the U.S. economy grew. That's just amazing, isn't it? And uh, the, actually, that legacy uh, is uh, splashed right into Montana. Yeah, Yes, it is. Uh, Montana is uh, doing better all the time. It's ranked uh, the 18th freest state in the Union. Uh, Governor Gianforte just signed uh, the state's biggest tax cut in its history uh, uh, a week or so ago. And uh, uh, it's really doing uh, very, very well. And, of course, a lot of uh, a big reason for that is a lot of people are leaving uh, socialist-leaning California mm-hmm. and moving to places like Montana, which is much freer. Much freer in de- indeed. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, letting people live their lives, the lack of imposition of government po- policy and regulation on their lives, and, uh, you know, just allowing free markets to operate as they should, and it's producing great results. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, over uh, 200 years ago, the French historian uh, Montesquieu famously said that countries are well cultivated, not as they are fertile, but as they are free. Uh, it's freedom that makes all the difference in the world. And in the case of Ireland, you, some people might say, well, their fantastic growth is just the luck of the Irish, but not at all. It's the freedom that Ireland has cultivated that has given rise to their uh, incredible economic growth. And it's no coincidence that the least free nations of the world, like Cuba, North Korea, Venezuela, they're also among the poorest. Yeah, and states as well here in the United States. Uh, just off topic, but I, I, I've forgotten, where does Florida rank on, on this index? Uh, Florida is quite high. I'd have to look at the index to give you the exact number, but yeah. it's... Uh, Certainly in the top 10%, maybe um, uh, the top 5%. So are, are these policies that uh, in Montana, are, can they be duplicated in other states around the United States? Oh, yes, with a few exceptions. Uh, and the uh, broad uh, theme of those policies is uh, make government work for all the people, not uh, f- uh, for selected few in yeah. the form of things like subsidies and get off of people's backs and out of their way and uh, let them be productive. And don't vilify entrepreneurs. Don't run around telling entrepreneurs you didn't build that, yeah. as uh, President Obama once said. Larry, just great stuff. I, I really appreciate your commentary. Now, this, this column is uh, published by the Frontier Institute. Can, is that the best place to find it? Uh, you can find it there, or even uh, maybe more quickly, just find it on my website, which is lawrencewreed.com. It's under the blog section, lawrencewreed.com. All right. Thank you for that, Larry. And again, visit fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of several novels. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to win in the state legislature. It's a great organization. I proudly serve on their board. And I hope you visit the website, VFGA. Org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels, Great Murder Mysteries, located in Washington, D.C. Uh, the first is Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel in his latest novel, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. So, uh, you know, this morning I'm thinking, I'm looking at the bailout of uh, Credit Suisse in Europe, uh, which is the latest casualty of a uh, banking crisis that began with Sam Bank Friedman. Yeah, remember him? He was he was the woke darling of uh, the Democratic Party. You know they they embraced him, heralded him on Capitol Hill uh, a little over a year ago, and and now we had a series of bank failures in this country. Uh, that primarily were caused by these banks' embrace of uh, cryptocurrencies. Really? <laughs> went, yes. So t- tell us about, expand on that a little bit, if you don't mind, because I wasn't aware that cryptocurrency was uh, one of the causes of uh, the bank failures. Yeah, well, the Silicon Valley Bank was one of the largest lenders to the crypto industry in ah. the country. And and they were also lenders to Sam Bankfried's uh, crypto business. So uh, that immediately started creating some um, concern, Mm -hmm. uh, and and it led to the the eventual failure of SVB because, uh, uh, you know, the uh, public began to realize that the assets of these banks, because of rising interest rates, were underwater, and if they had risky bets in addition, like in the crypto, collapsing crypto industry, it was not a safe place for their money. And then another bank in New York, Signature Bank, fell. And Signature Bank originally was a um, 
sort of a local community bank for the Hasidic uh, Jewish business community. Mm-hmm. And it started investing in crypto. And it had, it had, I've, it had a huge crypto investment, uh, you know, uh, at least 30 billion. And that went, that exploded, imploded. And that's why the regulators took over that bank. Mm-hmm. And then people began looking at uh, all the banks, realizing that as the Fed raises rates, the value of bonds decreases. And they looked at the bank bond holdings and their loan portfolios. And the head of the FDIC gave a speech a couple of weeks ago, and he said something like, banks have uh, $625 billion in underwater assets. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that's a lot of banks. So, so that created the panic here. It spread to Europe because a lot of America's banks have trading uh, relationships and, and money in these European banks. And they realized that, that their assets, too, were way underwater. So there was a run on the European banks by the Americans. So it all comes back to Sam Bankfried. Wow, that's, I had not ever thought about that or known that. That's so interesting in my mind. And absence of that information, I was simply assuming that because bond values uh, were down and most banks put their reserves into treasuries, that, uh, that, that if, in fact, there was a run on the bank, they'd have to sell those treasuries at a loss and uh, could lead to uh, failure, total failure. So... Uh, and, and this is a tough economy. I mean, if they didn't put it in treasuries, where the heck would they put it? They, you know? Yes. But crypto is a spark that ignited the powder keg. That is. So there, you know, there were other explosives in that powder keg, but, but crypto, crypto really panicked the public. And now you have, uh, the Democrats are in panic mode because, uh, there's a run on confidence among their own party in Joe Biden. You know, suddenly uh, his economy looks worse than ever. You know, he's running for re-election on the economy. Yeah. He, can't, he can't win the way things are now. So the Democrats who have caused this gigantic turmoil are literally taking over the bailout. I mean, Treasury, you know, Janet Yellen is stepping up. And if you read between the lines, she seems to be saying, will ensure all deposits in every bank, but they haven't said that explicitly. And so there's, there's still a lot of confusion and panic. Yeah. Well, here, here's the Americans. Here, yeah. Here's the problem that I see. I mean, uh, Joe, we're going to find out from the Supreme court that Joe Biden didn't have, have the ability to forgive uh, all student loan uh, debts. I think we're going to also find out that Janet Yellen and others don't have the money and or the ability, because the power of the purse belongs to the, the House of Representatives, to bail out the banks and uh, and uh, uh, people who had accounts in banks. That is, you know, that just isn't uh, constitutional. Yeah, you know, I was reading someplace this morning too. You know, they keep on saying the FDIC, mm-hmm. you know, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which which insures deposits up to what two hundred and fifty thousand now, right? Could could be called on to insure higher levels. You know, Elizabeth Warren says let's insure more, but the fact is, I think Barron's had an article uh, earlier this month that the FDIC fund has has a total of, of about. Under two hundred billion, so it it has it doesn't have nearly enough money, of course, to cover more deposits. It's it's underfunded right now. Well, what so, did, uh, what difference does the limit make uh, anyhow? If if uh, these uh, people in Treasury and so forth are, and the Fed are going to allow everybody to be co- covered, even if it's above two hundred fifty thousand, so th- it doesn't. And and the other point here is that these people at, in Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, were huge contributors to the Democratic Party. I mean, and, and the bank also lent money to um, uh, movie moguls to buy their, you know, forty million dollar mansions. So, so they had, a, they had the, uh, they were the gold plate bank for the uh, Democrats in California, and the Democrats are bailing out. Their, their ATM machine is what it comes down to. Exactly. I heard uh, one commentator on, I'm not sure if it's CNN or CNBC, one of those uh, organizations, she she actually referred to this uh, this bank in Silicon Valley as the a- Democrat ATM, <laughs> which I found amusing. 
Jim, I always appreciate your commentary. So well-informed commentary. Interesting. I learned a lot today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And again, uh, Jim's latest book, uh, No Problem. Check it out. Jim McTagg. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we have great guests lined up for tomorrow, including our state Senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of less government. Boo Mortensen will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Tell them how to get on uh, get to uh, bobharden.com or one of the other outlets to listen to the show. That helps us. It helps our advertisers. And we couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>